Welcome to the Fellowship Regional Church Podcast. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaves, whose leaf never withers, whatever he does prospers. Not so for the wicked, though. They are like chaff. The wind blows away, therefore the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. Verse 6, for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The word blessed is the word straight, correct, right, but most often translated happy. Hashtag blessed, right? Happy. I'm happy. It's weird, really, to think about that happiness in terms of our relationship with God. It shouldn't be, but, but it is. Because there's, we polarize everything in the church, out of the church, just as individuals. We just polarize everything. God doesn't want you happy. Or God wants to make you everything happy. Like whatever it is you want, he wants to give it to you. We just polarize everything. Like we never find the middle ground. This word is happy. Does it surprise you that God wants you happy? Just take a minute and think about it. Does it surprise you that God cares about your happiness? It did me. God makes me happy. And I don't mean that in like a, when I think about God, I just get so happy. I don't mean that. What I mean is, the things that God does and the things that he speaks into my life and the people that he brings into my life, that makes me happy. The beauty of the world makes me happy. But it seems as if sometimes our focus goes from serving God or honoring God or obeying God to trying to be happy. The sermon's entitled, Five Life Hacks for Happiness. Five life hacks for happiness. Want to be happy? I got the list. Are you sad? You came on a perfect Sunday. You plowed through the snow you got here. I expect by, you know, 30, 40 minutes from now, you should be happy, okay? Turn your frown upside down and let's get happy. Blessed is the man. Happy is the man. What makes you happy? Time with family? Time away from family? <laughs> time with friends? Time away from friends? See, we're a culture that likes to schedule our happiness. When's your day off? Where are you going on vacation? Can't wait for Christmas. Or you teachers and educators, oh, I cannot wait until summer shows up. Ugh. Wish we could all have three months off our job. That would be really awesome. Send me an email. I don't care. Bring it. 
We schedule our happiness. I'm gonna think I'm gonna be happy on Thursday when I can get on my motorcycle and me and some buddies can go somewhere. I think I'll be happy then. But the idea that God says, I think I would like you to be happy all the time. Like that's suspect a little bit, isn't it? It's a little bit suspect. Like God really cares about happiness on that level. Yes, he does. But notice something. This idea of happiness also takes a really weird turn. One of the things that we do is we misidentify the source of happiness. So here's what we do. We get a little taste of happiness somewhere, and we go, oh, that was good. I should get more happiness. What makes you happy? Time off? Well, you can't just have nothing but time off, right? You can't have that. Drink make you happy? Well, you can't just do that all the time, now can you? People make you happy? You can't do that. Not all the time. Relationships, not going to work. Time away from people. Isolation. Ooh, I love, love locking myself. Some of you weirdos are out there. I see you. You're like, oh, that would be so awesome. Sitting in silence with no one around. Wow, that would make me happy. Yes, but it doesn't sustain happiness. And what we do is we misidentify the source. What makes you happy? What's the thing that you chase after makes you happy? You see what it does is happiness operates like an apparition, like a ghost, some sort of spirit that in those weird moments, you know, some of you have had this, these weird moments where something passes by in your peripheral. Ooh, what was that? And happy comes by like that, and so you chase it. But you know what? Just like every episode of every ghost hunter show, you know what's going to happen at the end of the day? They're not going to catch one. Not going to catch one. Neither are you. You're not going to catch one either. You can't capture it. It's like trying to hold water in your hands or fog. Like it's going straight through. You don't get to hold on to happiness because we misidentify the source. You could say that happiness, or at least the hunt for happiness, is the reason for nearly every single incident of adultery, every single incident of embezzlement, every single incident of racism, every single addiction. The pursuit of happiness is the root of every single broken relationship that we have. You see, that's the thing about happiness. You don't chase happiness. Well, Jared, I thought you said God wants us happy. I did say that, and I do mean that. But see, it's kind of like the old advertisement. Luke and I love this advertisement. We say it, you know, it comes out a couple times a year. And I think it was Sonic, maybe, that, that put this advertisement out years ago. There's no I in team, but there's three in chili cheese fries. <laughs> and we love that advertisement. Hey, what do you do? There's no I in team. Yeah, but there's three in chili cheese fries. There's also three I's in divine happiness. Unfortunately, divine happiness is not rooted in you. It's not the I. You see, happiness is not about you. 
So the source is not you. Well, if I could just be content with what's in front of me, you can't be content with what's in front of you. Like you don't get to just say, you know what? I think this is just going to be enough to make me happy. Because the process of diminishing returns works this way. What has, what has excited you in the past will eventually dull and fade. Have you ever got a new car? Or maybe an old new car? And you loved it? You'd look out the window at it? Or maybe a bicycle? You'd look out, that's my bicycle. It's raining, but that's my bicycle. Can't wait to ride it. It's so cool. Your car is so cool. Your pickup is so cool. You love it. But then there's that incident at Walmart, you know? You backed into that concrete post, didn't even see it. Backup cam and everything, still missed it. Put a little mark on it, and you're like, it's just a little mark. It's my favorite. It's the coolest, but little Mark. Kids ride their bicycles in the driveway, come riding up beside it. And you know how those little handlebars, they, they begin to chew through the rubber tip on the end of that, you know? Here comes little Billy, and he parks his bike right there beside your car, and just leans it right against it. It falls. <laughs> Door dings. Come out with all your bags. What the heck? Somebody got out of their car like they're part of the LAPD, you know? Going into Walmart, you know? Just blows your door in. After a while, you stop caring. Like, eh, what do you do? Not nearly as cool as it was. Happy doesn't sustain. You don't get to hold it. You don't get to capture it. You can't lasso it. You can't hog tie it. You can't put it in an aquarium. You can't take some and put it in your pocket. It's fragments. It's fragments. It's pieces. It's temporal. It's there for a minute, and then it's gone. And there's those relationships that bring so much joy. But time after time after time, the more time you spend, you begin to see things in that person you don't like. You know those moments. I've never had them, but I'm sure you have. Those moments where you walk by your spouse and they're sleeping in bed and you just look at them like, ugh. <laughs> I don't do that, but I think my wife has done that. I think she's probably, you know. At one point's the happiest, the greatest person I've ever known. And then this, ugh. You know? You don't get to just hold on to it. Contentment is not a thing that you can control. Happiness, divine happiness comes from God. You see, happiness is not the pursuit. It's not the goal. Happiness is the result. Happiness is not the pursuit. It's not the thing you chase after. It is simply a byproduct. It is a result of something else. So then what is that? The psalmist says this, happy is the man who, and he lists three things, but notice this, who does not. Happy is the man who does not do these three things. Let's read these three things. Walk in the counsel of the wicked. Number one, don't do that. Number two, stand in the way of sinners. Number three, sit in the seat of mockers. Do you want to be happy? Here's your first three. Here's your first three. Do not walk with, 
or in the counsel of the wicked. Do not stand in the way of sinners. Do not sit in the seat of mockers. Let's go with the first one. Happy is the man who does not walk in the counsel, in the counsel of the wicked. Your daily life the people that you do business with, the people that you interact with in work, the people that you interact with on a regular basis who see your life in and out, on your walk, on your journey, those people who are with you day in, day out, who are closest to your situation, like it or not, if they are wicked people, if they are people who are ungodly people, they are not in the pursuit of God, but they are in pursuit of happiness, their advice and their counsel to you is broken. And you can say, well, I just don't listen to that kind of advice. How much time do you spend with him? How much time do you spend with him? If you spend a lot of time with him, it's not going to really matter because you will reflect. You will reflect what you spend time with. You spend time with people. Just stay in that mode. Who do you want to contribute to your life? Who do you want to give you advice? Whose advice and counsel do you want to walk in? This is a verse for you. Proverbs 12, 26. The godly give good advice to their friends. The wicked lead them astray. This is who you walk with. Who do you spend your life with? What kind of advice are you gaining from them? As a problem comes up, you say, I don't know what I'm going to do. And they say, I'll tell you what I would do if I were you. And you take that advice in. You don't want it to be there? You're going to have to cut some ties. If you take the advice of wicked people, your life will replicate that same advice. So there's a reason that we back out of these situations. You will be happier if you can put a tighter gate on the number of people who you let speak into your life. Or at least raise the standard on the people who can speak into your life. There's some people who I do not call for advice. I love them. They're fun to ride bikes with. They're enjoyable to sit and have conversations with. But when it comes to a situation in my life, I'm not going to them. I don't want their advice. You should hold the standard high as well. The second thing is do not stand in the ways of the sinful or do not stand in the way of sinners. Now, what this, mean, what this doesn't mean is do not stand in a sinner's way. It doesn't mean that. What it means is do not take a stand for the things or the people that sinners take a stand for. So if you want to be happier, what you have to do is you have to go through your list of things that you are taking a stand on. What do you care for? What do you take a stand on? I don't know if you know this or not, just a little side note. You know I like to attack social media just every once in a while. I just want to make a side note. Do you realize raging against something is not necessarily taking a stand for something else? You can say, ugh, I'm so against this wall. Good one? Look, look how awkward it got in here. Okay, good. Wall. You can say, ugh, what a racist. I'm so against this wall. That doesn't necessarily mean you have taken a stand anywhere with your life. 
Raging out against something does not mean you have taken a stand for something else. Do not stand in the ways that sinners stand. This isn't just what topics. This is the way that they take a stand. Do you know what really bothers me is when I see both sides, conservative side and the liberal side, and both of them stand in the exact same way. Slander from one side, slander to the other side. Ridiculous. That is standing in the way of a sinner. That's how sinners stand. You know what the cure for racism has never been? More racism, more slander, more name-calling. You know what the cure for gossip has never been? More gossip. You know how we fix violence? What, more violence? Really? That's how sinners stand. They rage out against things and attack things. You see, our responsibility, our responsibility is to respond in love. Does that mean we can't take a stand? No, take a stand. Take a stand for something. But raging about something you hate should translate somehow into your life. So let me give you a quick example. I told myself I wasn't going to even talk about this. I wrote it. I deleted it. I said, I'm not talking about it. I'm going to talk about it instead. I'll regret it later. If you are somebody who, and this is not a political statement at all, if you are somebody who sides one way or the other on any issue, and you want to talk about immigration, or you want to talk about abortion, or you want to talk about homosexuality, or you want to talk about any number of things, for you to step forward and say, I am completely against that, what in your life reflects that you're doing something about it? What in your life reflects that? Well, I'm for open borders. Are you a hospitable person? Because if you're not, you're a hypocrite. Because on the smallest level that you can actually control anything, you are doing nothing about that kind of problem if you think that's a problem. Wide open. I think the borders should be wide open. Do you invite people into your home? Are you a hospitable person? Do you have a very accepting personality? Because if you can go down through the months and you can say, you know what, in the last year... I've had so many people at my house and we've eaten dinner and we've fed these people and we've given money to these people and we've taken care of this situation and we've been so generous with our life. Hey, your opinion and how you feel about immigration or any other issue, you are at least living something forward in a positive way. That's good. That's awesome. You, can, you cannot argue with that. That's how you take a positive stand. But if you're on one side doing nothing but slamming social media with all your political views, but you are a very stingy, selfish, and unfriendly person, come on. No one's taking that serious. No one's taking that serious. Rage is not a stand. A stand is when you take what you believe and you put it into action. That's how you take a stand. And we don't stand like sinners Stand. The third one is this. If you want to be happy, do not sit in the seat of mockers. Do you see the progression? The people we walk with, the people we stand with, and the people we sit with. 
People we walk with could probably be identified as people that we see day to day in our job, right? People that we stand with, they're kind of like the conversations that we have on the phone, social media, text message. It's kind of in there. The people that we kind of go out of our way to see, to visit, maybe have lunch with. But people you set with, you know those people. Those are the people who get into your refrigerator and they never say, can I get into your refrigerator? It's those people. They're there so often, like, they sleep on your couch, you know? They come over, you hang out. For too long, you're both asleep. You don't even know it. These are the people that we sit with. This is fellowship. What kind of people are they? Do you want to be happy? This is another place you got to check. you got to check those people right there. Here's what it says. Do not sit in the seat. Do not sit on the couch. Do not spend time with. Don't hang out with. Don't lounge around with. Don't throw your lot in with these people. Don't let the influence of them, don't let their influence have any influence on your kids. These are the kind of people. These are the mockers. Do not sit in the seat of mockers. See, your ability to hear God speak to you has a whole lot to do with the number of people that you have fellowship with. The people closest to you. Your ability to hear God clearly has a lot to do with the people that you spend the most time with in fellowship. You see, because here's what happens. When you spend time with people in fellowship, you begin to pick up on the little weird nuances, the little quirks, little idiosyncrasies of somebody's personality, and you begin to look at them, and you're like, that's kind of a weird person. But you know what I love about them? They're so tender. Or they have this sense of conviction about them. That's a person who I love them, but they're kind of high anxiety sometimes. And I, I like that person. I care about that person's soul. And when you spend time with people in that context, sitting around a dinner table for hours and hours, or in a living room, or in a backyard on a patio, for hours and hours, you grow to love that person. But if they're a mocker, and their voice is constantly in your ear, and they criticize you about the convictions that you have, they, they, they laugh at the fact that you have a certain sense of the Holy Spirit working in your life, and, and, and some sort of standard in your life, and and they begin to kind of criticize it. Like, what are you so worried about? Like, why are you worried about that? No, God's going to forgive you. Don't worry about, oh, what are you worried about? You're not going to go to heaven? And people constantly mocking and making fun of. That's going to weigh in on your life. You can only hear so much criticism. Do you have those phrases that roll around in your head? I've probably shared this before. I'll share it with you again cutest girl in school, seventh grade. She sat in front of me. She was so adorable. We all had a crush on her. I didn't stand a chance, you know. But she was cute. Seventh grade. She turns and she says to me, you know what, Jared? I said, <laughs> What? She said, your nose is big. 
what? I didn't even know. I didn't know. She, she was right. She's right. But I didn't know. Now I know. And you know what? Every day I know. And there's times I think of her. I'm like, wow, that's a good one. She was right. She was right. How many years ago? Probably only about, I don't know, 25 years ago? You just have these things that you just carry around with you sometimes. Some of them bother us. Some of them, like this, are humorous. But we still carry them. And you don't think that affects the way you see you or the plans that you have for you? Do you, do you think that that internal voice competes with the voice of God? Absolutely it does. I'm nothing but a failure. That's not what God's saying. He's saying, I know the plans I have for you. I always mess things up, and God says, no, you are more than conquerors. And if you've got these competing voices, the voice of mockers inside your head all the time, you're not going to hear them clearly. At some point, you've got to start getting rid of the mockers in your life. You've got to move them back. Because there's only one voice you really need to hear from, and that's the Lord. And if the people around you are not speaking the Lord's voice into your ears, time for new people. Time to get new people. You want people who are going to build you up. Those are the first three. Do not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Do not stand as sinners stand. Do not sit and have fellowship with mockers or scoffers. Those are the three negatives. Don't, don't, don't. Now, what's crazy about Christianity is Christianity in and of itself. People have said over and over, Christianity is nothing but a list of rules of a bunch of don'ts. Like, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, or else. That's not true. And, but this passage may seem like maybe it's going that direction. But these are, these are pragmatic things. You want to be happy? Here's a few areas you got to check. Check this general area. Check this more specific area. Check your inner circle. You want happiness? There's your first three. But then the writer, the psalmist, goes on and he says, But, verse 2, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. He meditates on it day and night. Here's your next two. Next two things. The first one. His delight is in the law of the Lord. You want to be happy? Okay. Then you have to love God's word. You have to love it. This word delight is make it matter. Make it matter. Do you know that you will love anything that you invest in? The more you invest in it, the more you will grow to love it. You don't think that's true? Why do you think God gave us children that are unlike any other type of children in the entire animal kingdom? Listen, you watch a baby giraffe, you watch baby deer, like they're born four hours later, they're sprinting, right? Keeping up. Not human babies. They're born and they're useless until they're about four, you know? <laughs> And I don't mean useless in the sense of they have no value. I just mean they're just not a lot of fun sometimes. Now, mommies can really enjoy them, and maybe some dads can, but it's kind of like I want a personality. I want something to poke and make laugh, you know, 
I want it to say something back to me, like something enjoyable. Humans? Oh, man, you know what will make you love a baby? That investment, when they get the flu, just yakking on everything, you know? You're like, oh, wish I could put it back. Can't put it back. <laughs> love it more. And you invest in it, and the more you invest in it, the more you love it. By the time they're done, you're just like, I can't wait for him to go, and then it's time for him to go. I, I think I want him to stay. You know? Just love him. I think that's the reason why. What you invest in will matter most. You see, if you make God's word matter in your life, it will become something important to you, but you have to make it matter first. I know, I know. I can already hear your thoughts. I already hear them. I hear, they're loud. I don't like to read. Okay. I don't really understand what I'm reading. Understandable. Understandable. Yeah, um, I don't really understand the, the historical context. If I understood the, the historical context, it might matter to me more. It's just kind of difficult. I 100% agree with every single thing that you're thinking. Just like every other book in the world, when you open it and you begin to read, you don't know what it's about. It's no different. I don't like to read. Uh, do you like to listen? Because it's a genius. Like they've made audio. Maybe you're new, but you can find it. It's there. But reading for comprehension for the sake of a book report that's not going to happen is not the point. The point is this. God's word is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It can cut between the bone and the marrow. The soul and the spirit. Our responsibility is to ingest it. Can anybody explain to me vitamins? Anyone? The breakdown, how they happen, where they go in the body, what parts affect what parts? If you can, I, I'm all ears. Of course I can't explain that. I can't explain. Maybe some of you could explain on some level what a vitamin is and does and all the parts and pieces and where it goes and how do we keep from getting all mixed up and going to the wrong spot? I don't know. It's genius. But it doesn't stop you from taking them, does it? I don't really understand how they work. I'm not dare taking one. Okay, genius. Sometimes there's things you just ingest. Ingest it. You will find its value later, but you must first make it matter in your life. Make it matter in your life. The fifth one. The writer says, finding happiness means that we should value God's word. We should make it matter, but finally we should also meditate on it. Meditate in the Hebrew here is an onomatopoeia. You know what I mean? It's the word that in, when you say it, it is actually the sound of doing it. You know, like a punch is like bam, right? It's the sound. It's drip. It's like a cuckoo clock. What's a cuckoo clock say? Exactly. Cuckoo. This word meditate is the word meditate. 
it makes the sound of what it's like to meditate. Well, when I think of meditate, I think of quiet. I don't think of it being a sound. Yeah, but the Hebrew word for meditate is different. I don't like videos very often, but you've got to see this, and you've got to hear this, because it's just pretty cool to me. This is what the word meditate is. gets close, growl about this. Nah, nah, nah. Daga, daga, daga. That's the Hebrew for meditate. How should we treat God's word? We should daga the word. Meditate, chew on. Savor. Run it through your head. Grind it into pieces. We meditate on your words day and night. We write them on the door frames of our houses. We put them around our necks and we put them up on our foreheads. It's the way the Hebrews lived. It's the idea that we will meditate. Do you want to be happy? It's not based on you. And it's not something you can capture. You see, happiness is the result, the byproduct of you capturing a relationship with God. Do you want happy? Then you must have a relationship with God. You will find bits and pieces of happy. I promise you, this world is full of fragments of happiness. But fragments of happiness will only serve to fragment your soul more and more all the time. And God wants you whole. He's created you to be whole. What he's calling us to do is to meditate on his word, to consume what is there. I think this study in the book of Psalms is going to be really good. There is a couple of final thoughts and um, results that happen. In God's mind, what is the picture of happiness? What does it look like? Look at verse 3. The man who does these things, happy is the man who doesn't, Walk in the counsel of the wicked, stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But he whose delight is in the law of the Lord and meditates on it day and night, he will be happy. And he will be like, verse 3, tree planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, and whatever he does prospers. God's idea of happiness is this, that he purposely takes you and plants you. Do you see that? It doesn't say like a tree that grew up by. It says a tree that was planted by. Do you feel like you're floating around? Like you're just not, I'm not planted near a good source. I need more, I need more of a life source for what's going on in my life. Okay, okay. Then you're looking for happiness, but you need God to plant you in that place. Do you feel dry and withered? 
God needs to plant you in that place. Do you feel like your life is not producing fruit? Then you need God to plant you in that place. Do you feel like everything you do fails? Then you need God to plant you in that place because everything that this man does prospers. Do you know those people? doesn't matter what they touch. It turns to gold. That's so cool. That's what God wants for us. But he is not asking us to chase after the pleasure or the pursuit of happiness itself. We are chasing after a relationship with him. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and that's a conversation that you need to have or at least start having with somebody else, come catch me after service. I would love to talk to you about this. That'd be great. Thank you for being here. Um, jumping on the elements. Locking in your four-wheel drive if you had to. Hey, I want you to know, and you know me. I get a little, little braggadocious about this. Some church is canceled this morning. Not us. <laughs> let, me, let me pray and ask God for forgiveness. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for everything that you have done for us. We pray that you will continue to move in our life and in this church, Lord, that we can make a difference in our community. Thank you for the word. We ask that you will draw us closer to you, that we can focus our life on you, Lord, and as a result, we can find happiness and joy in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.